You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Here's Matthew 28 verses 1 to 10. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Amen. Amen. Okay, quick quiz. Three, three highest attendance church days in the year. Three highest attendance. Shout them out. What do you got? Three highest. Christmas, yes, number one. You missed a pretty obvious one. What's another one? Easter, great, Mark. You going the prize. What's the third one? Not Pentecost. I heard it. I heard it. It had to be a lady. A Mother's Day. Mother's Day, yes, as it should be. <laughs> Amen, right? Let us value and esteem ladies as Jesus did, right? But Easter is by far, look at this, right? Easter is by far the biggest, by far the as it should be. He's risen, right? He's alive. And this is the day all around the world that pastors are sweating, right? This is the day you got to nail it. This is a day you got you to gotta really bring it today, right? And, and I remember when, when, when the Lord radically transformed my life, I, I would have opportunities to be in front of people and take every one of them to share my testimony. And I just, I wanted to give them what I, what I had. I wanted to make him clear to them. And I quickly realized I can't just give it to them. And then I started to have opportunities like, like this to preach and teach in and, and churches on days just like this. And I wanted to make it crystal clear. I wanted to, to bring him to life in their eyes and move them. And, and you just realize you can't just give it. He's got to do something. And then I began to really stir. But what did, what did he do? What did Jesus do when, when he was in front of the crowds? We should certainly take our cue from him. And let's, I want to take a quick, quick look at, at what Jesus said when the masses were in, in front of him. Really quick, uh, in, in Luke 8, you don't have to go there, but it says there was a large crowd there. And Jesus is speaking to this large crowd, and Jesus' crowd didn't have this, this beautiful visual that you have right here. So I'm giving you a little extra. And the large crowds gathered... And Jesus says this, a farmer went out to sow some seed and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path 
It was trampled on, and the birds ate it. Some fell on rocky ground, and, and, and when it came up, the plants withered because there was no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which when it grew up, it was choked out. It choked out the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, and it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Then he walked away. That was it. <laughs> I mean, you could go read it. This, 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 that's all he said. He drops this, this, this complex analogy on them, this parable that, that, has, that has truisms of life that they'd have to dig into to understand. He drops it and says, if you get it, fine. And if you don't, it's okay. And he walks away. That's so countercultural. Why, why did he do that? And he says, he says it to them because they were wondering, his disciples, because he went and speaks to them, speaks to them afterwards. And, and he says, I speak this way so that those seeing, they may not see. And though hearing, they may not understand. That makes it clear, right? He, he purposely wants to make it harder for people to understand. Why? He knows because he knows how easily we are swayed. He knows how easily we just move on to the next thing. He's saying he wants people. He yearns. He hungers for people who are going to chase after him, who are going to come say, tell me, help me understand this. Hebrews 11.6, it says this. Take a look. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him, seeks after him, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He doesn't want casual belief because he knows it's just going to go away. So as we dive into this, this, this story of this beautiful, massive miracle in Matthew 28 of the resurrected Jesus, some of you are already thinking about lunch, and it's okay. Some of you are going to be challenged as the word is, is presented, and then, and then somebody will cut in front of you as you drive away out of church today, it's all going to be gone. But some of you have been prepared by the Lord, not for me, not for this service, but to be stirred by the living, risen Jesus through his Holy Spirit. And I don't really control that. And this should not surprise us because when we look at this text that Catherine just read, we see three different kinds of people. And they respond to this miracle in three different ways, just as Jesus said would happen and let's, let's look at the women first. That's how it should be, right? Because they were the last at the cross, and they were the first at the tomb. Amen. Yes. Yes. Women seem to get it quicker. Sorry, guys. They do. Let that be a challenge to us, right? See, they've heard it. Matthew 28, 8 through 10. They've heard that he's risen. They've seen that the tomb is empty. And then the word says this, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. 
Rejoice is what that means. They came to him. They clasped his feet and they worshiped him. And then Jesus said, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. You see, this, these ladies, they're they're the good soil. They receive news of the resurrection. They believed, and this is what it feels like. It says says that they had fear and they had joy. But it wasn't that fear that somebody's chasing you and they're going to hurt you. It's not the fear of death. It's awe. Two kinds of fear in the Bible. This is the good one. It's awe. It's, oh my gosh. It's, I don't want to disappoint this man. That's this kind of fear that we're seeing here. This kind of joy that says, forget everything and just go tell somebody about it. That's what they're experiencing. This is good fear. This is good joy. That's what he wants us to have. And when they run, check it out. When they run on faith, he meets them. He meets them, right? And he will meet you. If you seek him, the sun, I saw it this morning, the sun, S-O-N, the sun, S-U-N, rises every morning and it's just waiting to be experienced. And the Jesus is the same way. The gospel's everywhere. It's everywhere. They knew him, these ladies, these Marys, and they sought him. They had already sought him for who he was. These women had experienced Jesus. You remember Mary, she got it. She anointed him. She knew what was to come. Now they had witnessed the miracle of the resurrection and they couldn't wait to share it. They couldn't wait to share it. And I just, I have have to do this. It's a little bit of risk, but if you have been born again, I want you to stand up. If you have, if you have received Christ and you have claimed Christ, stand up. I want you to stand up. If you have been born again, I want you to stand up because this is a miracle. You are a living miracle. We, but what we believe is crazy. We believe that the Holy Spirit, if you've been born again, it lives inside you. That's miraculous. Jesus died. He said, I have to go so I can come. And God conquered death and rose Jesus from the dead. And then he ascended into heaven. But he still lives. And he lives in us. And we are walking miracles, listen to this, that people need to experience as you go through your week. You can have a seat. Thank you. See, the miracles all around, it's not just on Easter Sunday. We are walking, living, breathing miracles, and people need to experience that through us. But what about you? What is your soil producing? Since last Easter, have you grown in the fruits of the Spirit? Are you you better, more open, so that the Spirit of God can use you and those fruits He's building and growing in you so people might see Oh, man, that this church would be full of resurrected lives. Like these ladies turned loose for kingdom impact, you see. But then we see the other side. Then we see the guards, the Roman guards. What a contrast. Wow. Matthew 28, 4, it says this. The guards were so afraid of him, and that's fear. Talking about the angel. They, they, they were afraid. They shook and became like dead men. If you notice in the text, the angel, the angel doesn't even address the guards. He who has ears, let him hear. They weren't ready. They were experiencing the same miracle as these ladies. I mean, front and center. The guards are, are like seed thrown on the path. That Their hearts just weren't ready to receive it. It doesn't even register with them what is happening. They would have known and heard about this man. 
little apologetics here. If, if you're trying to convince people that a, that, that a story is real, definitely, definitely don't, especially in this culture. Say the women were in awe and excited and ran to tell their friends, but the Roman guards were terrified and fainted. That's not the good story to tell. If you're trying to get, convince somebody, that's not the story to tell. But that's the story we see. The Roman elite, the best of the best in the world, were truly afraid. Not awed. They were afraid. And they fainted. Or something. They were not moved to believe by the earthquake. They were not moved to believe by an empty tomb. They were not moved to believe by the words of an angel. They were ultimately moved by what? By a bribe. To change the story and live their life a little better. Look at Matthew 28. It says in verse 11, while the women were on their way, two different paths. This is really cool. Some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. These are two very, very different paths. The religious leaders, they tell the Roman guards when they hear this, okay, here's the story you're going to tell. His disciples came during the night and they took his body while you were asleep. And 14 and 15, check it out. If your boss finds out, we'll satisfy him. We'll keep you out of trouble, promise. So what'd they do? The soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. You see, while the women were walking, running in resurrected life, the guards were walking as dead men. The news of this miraculous miracle, the experience of this miraculous miracle, it doesn't even register. It does nothing for them. You see, many people today in this this room and rooms all over the world will hear about this miracle. I heard about it for years, I guess, but it never registered about this new and eternal life that I could have if I were to believe this life with God. Is it more important to you than anything? It wasn't to them. It didn't even register with them. They just went on about their life, but it doesn't change his love for them. See, there's another group of people, though, and it's in Luke's gospel that we see it, and it's yet another experience. And I think when we take a look at this next group, I think they're most representative of this room and rooms around the world today. It's in Luke 24. And in verse 13 through 16, it says this. Now, this is the same day. It's resurrection day. Two of them, meaning followers of Jesus, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. What a cool conversation. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and he starts walking with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Resurrected body, I don't know, but what a cool scene, huh? And then it says, Jesus asked them, what are you guys talking about? (laughs) I love this, so cool. And it said, they stood there. And their faces were just downcast, demoralized, not like the ladies. One of them named Cleopas, he asked Jesus, well, he's there. Are, are, are you the only one? Are you kidding me? Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem that, that hasn't heard of the things that have happened? And Jesus says, what things are you talking about? I don't know. <laughs> Isn't that great? So he's baiting these guys. I love it. 
about Jesus of Nazareth? Are you kidding me? He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers, they, they handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. Look at verse 21. This is, this is critical. But we, it says, this is Cleopas talking, but we had hoped, not trusted, not believed, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. Still, nothing's happened. See, this is, this is you got to get, this is Jesus' uncle that's talking, Cleopas. This is, this is, is Mary, who's, who's, at, who's at the tomb. It, 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 it's his wife, right? It's Mary's sister. She's, Cleopas, his wife, was one of the, she was one of the ladies at the tomb. She believed, but he didn't get who Jesus was. He had heard the message countless times, probably from Jesus himself, but he didn't have ears to hear. It says in here that he was one of them. He professed faith, and he still didn't get it. You see, what it says, he was hoping that Jesus would take the Romans away. Some people hope that Jesus will, will make their spouse or their, or, or, or their life or their family better. Some hope that Jesus will take their career path in a different direction. And he may do that. But not until you seek him for who he is first. Seek him for who he is. The king of the world. The one who gave you life. It's not yours to do what you want with. Until you recognize that. Nothing will change. He, he came to resurrect you to new life in him. Not to give you the best version of yourself, but it's okay. The sun is always rising somewhere. Jesus is always, always working. Check it out. This is so cool. He said to them in verse 25, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. A little rebuke here. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into glory? What is he saying? He's saying, I've told you. Come on, guys. You should have gotten this by now. But he knows that now they're ready to hear. Look at 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said and all the scriptures concerning himself. This is so good. You see, he didn't show them the nail prints. He, he didn't show them the scars. He referred them to the scriptures. You got to see this. He referred them to all those passages. We don't have that. I wonder, I wonder what he told them. All those passages, how the Lamb of God had to die, how the Lamb of God had to be resurrected to redeem God's people from sin and death. He told them about all these scriptures. You see, Jesus loved God's word. Jesus was the word in the flesh. What would it be like to hear the word of God from Jesus? They heard it. Jesus knew and believed in the power of God's word. You see, some people say that we're foolish to believe in the Bible as the infallible and inerrant word of God. Jesus says that we're a fool not to believe it. That's what he says. Is the word of God a part of your daily life as a believer? Or do you just not have time for it? The next part is what, what happens when the word, the, the Holy Spirit takes root. And this is what I pray happens today. Check this out. See, they still don't know who he is. And he acts like he's going to keep going because he wants us to seek him. He acts like he's going to keep going. And they beg him to come inside for a meal. 
And he does. And look at Luke 24, 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. I'm not going to try and explain that. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? These guys had been with Jesus for years. They had professed faith in Jesus, but they finally, on this day, they finally believed. You see, I I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you're like the Marys at the tomb who fear rightly and adore rightly, and you're chasing after Jesus with great zeal. Keep going. Maybe you're like the Roman guards, and you you just really don't want anything to do with Jesus today. Doesn't change his love for you. Nothing will ever change that. But maybe you're like Cleopas and, and you've appeared to be close. Maybe you've been coming to church for a while, but you've never denied yourself or your own way enough to let him raise you to new life. See, we're going to break bread here in, in a few minutes and it's appropriate because he, he told us to do it, to remember him. And I want you to remember that Jesus' words, when, when, he, when he preached, he didn't worry about his words pleasing people. He just wanted his words to stir people to figure out what they believe. In John 6, Jesus calls himself the bread of life. It's this, it's this long discourse, and it's hard. And he says graphically, that, that he's supposed to be like food. All you need. He's either everything to you or nothing. You can't live without him. That's what he says in John 6. And he says it really, really graphically. And in John 6, 6, 6, after he preaches this to a large crowd, it says this. It says many of his disciples turned back and didn't follow him. Probably not what you want to preach on Easter. Easter. And he then looked at the 12 closest to him, and he says this in the next verse. And these are three really powerful words. He says, what about you? He looks at his guys, and he says, what about you? I I think that's the question that Jesus is asking us today. Where, Where are you at with this? Let's pray. Lord, I... I just pray that your, that your word would take, take root. We have, we've sung it. We have worshiped. Oh, my, we've had a little slice of what it's going to be like when you come back, rejoicing and, and worshiping. Lord, I just pray that your word would take root. And as we partake of this little meal that, that you told us to do in remembrance of you, I pray that that many would consider, what do they believe? I pray that many might take a step of faith today and really seek you. Because you'll be there. And you'll do it. In Jesus' name, amen.